Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. And we're your hosts. I'm Greg Knott. I'm Bill Hostler. And I'm Darren Laners. And today we have not a special guest, but actually one of our new regular contributors, Todd E. Creason, 33rd degree and Secretary for Life of Ogden Masonic Lodge number 754 in wonderful downtown Ogden, Illinois. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. New contributor. Did I miss another meeting? Yes, you did. You know how these rules work in Freemasonry. Congratulations on your elevation instantly to a regular contributor. My secretary, too. <laughs> so in all seriousness, we're glad to have you. All four of us on this podcast are contributors to the Midnight Freemasons, and we're going to ask Todd about that here in a few minutes. But since Todd is in his first episode, I just wanted to ask him to give a little bit of his Masonic background, how he came into the fraternity and some of the things you've done since you've joined. Okay. Well, I joined, I think it was 15 years ago in, uh, at Alden Lodge, very close to my house. I knew some of the members there. I was interested in it. I think a lot of my original interest in it had to do with the people I knew that were members of the lodge. But I got to tell you, uh, National Treasure had a lot to do with it, too. I was very curious about Freemasonry, and I did a lot of reading about it. Uh, before I ever inquired. So went through the chairs there, became the master in 2009. And after I served my year as the master, I've been serving that lodge as the secretary ever since, except for one year. I took one year off. I'm also a dual member at Homer Lodge 199, which is about eight miles away. And uh, I served as master of that lodge as well. Member of the York Rite. I'm a member of the Scottish Rite. And I'm the founder of the Midnight Freemasons blog. And so Todd and I have had a lot of adventures together that have later sucked in Darren and now Bill. But a couple of the things Todd and I worked on early on was we started getting a group together for lunch about 10 years ago. And we thought, boy, that'd be neat to form some kind of a lunch club. So we did. He and I got in contact with High 12 International, which we've not talked about at all on this podcast. but. uh Todd, why don't you talk a little bit about what were our early efforts with that and, and some of the things that we've done with that club? Well, originally it was uh, we wanted just to get a group of our friends and Masons together and have lunch and maybe do a little uh, education piece. The concept in the beginning was to have a local speaker come in, maybe a Mason, talk about a Masonic topic or uh, get a uh, local leader to come in and speak about their job. And we've done all that. Greg, you have a very good local community attachment. So we've had the sheriff in there and we've had the circuit clerk in there. We've had the president of the local community college in there. We even had the president of the University of Illinois come to our high 12 club. But the concept in the beginning was to be mostly social, a group that you could go to, show up when you can, leave when you can, show up as you are. A lot of the Men who join that club work for a living, so you got everybody from wearing a tie to coming in after mowing yards. But we wanted a group that uh, you could also bring your new members to, your your new inner apprentices and your fellow crafts, to give them an idea that masonry is about more than just their local lodge, and give them that sense of Masonic community. You know that it's a it's a it's a group of lodges and and they'll make friends not just in their own lodge but outside it as well. 
So that was the original concept. And this worked, it worked pretty well. Yeah, it's worked well. And, uh, Darren is our secretary of High 12 for Life, which I know is one of the jobs he really most enjoy, other than being my intern. I think it's his favorite job in Freemasonry. Is that not correct, Darren? Absolutely right. I especially love the monthly reports. They give me, they give my life purpose. I've been trying to give Darren's life purpose for almost a decade now. Todd, you are the founder of the Midnight Freemasons blog. The three of us, other than you on this podcast, have benefited from being associated with that. And it's been around for a while. And those that log in today kind of see it as it is. But you were the original solo author on that page. Can you talk about why you started it and the evolution that it's taken from the beginning until the present day? Sure. I think it started in about 2006. I was writing a series of books called Famous American Freemasons. I was researching way too well, and I wound up with a lot more information on each one of these famous Freemasons than I needed in a chapter. So I started the blog to post some of these research stories and ideas and quotes of these famous Freemasons that I didn't need for the book. So basically, it just started out as a place to dump some of my unused research material. And the name, a lot of people think that has a Masonic meaning. That has absolutely no Masonic meaning whatsoever. I work late at night. I work a full-time job, and when I write, I get home in the evening, and I usually write from about 8 o'clock in the evening until well after midnight. And one of my friends one time said every time he gets a text message or an email after midnight, he knew it was me. So that's where the Midnight Freemason came from. It's not Masonic. It just indicates that I was, I'm was i pretty much an insomniac. So it started out as a Midnight Freemason. I think it was about 2014. Writing three pieces a week got to be too much for me, and I thought about letting it go. I contacted Robert Johnson and said, it's just going to be too much work for me. I either need to bring some more people on board or just let it go. And Robert Johnson basically took over the management of it. We added a bunch of new members. Actually, you were the first, you were the first one I called. Now that I'm thinking about it, you were the senior contributor. You actually wrote the first piece for the Midnight Freemasons plural. That was, uh, October. No, I'm sorry. That was April 14th. It was the, it was the 100, 100 year anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. We thought that was a very good date to launch a new endeavor. You wrote a piece about the Titanic. That's right. I remember that. That's right. You stole it from me and then, then drafted me. Seems to be a recurring theme with this drafting stuff that we do in Freemasonry, but yeah, that was, uh, the, the first thing. So I'm going to let Darren weigh in here a little bit. Uh, he's, he's one of our not newer contributors, but has, uh, done a great job on the blog as well. I'm probably the newest amongst the, the three of you, obviously. I guess my question, Todd, to you would be, what is one of the favorite pieces you've, you've written for the blog? I would have to say it was the tongue-in-cheek piece that I wrote with another one of the Midnight Freemasons writers called Masonic Rings Points In or Out. That's probably gotten more hits than any other piece that I've ever written. And people take it seriously, and it was never meant to be serious to begin with. That's got to be one of my favorites. I mean, that was the very first piece that we posted that showed the true potential of the audience that we could have with the Midnight Freemasons. I know you did a lot of interviews for your Famous American Freemason books. Of the people you interviewed, who was the the favorite there? Ernest Borgnine. Uh, there was a period of time when I tried to get a hold of Ernest Borgnine. I was unable to get a hold of him for a very long time, and then he came with uh, the Shriners. I think 
It was a parade in Michigan. I called the TV station. I got a hold of the name of uh, his agent or representative. I called his agent representative, and about three days later, Ernest Borgnine called me on the phone. And it was a period of time that lasted probably, I would say, six months that he called me, or I called him at least once a week. And it was a really neat period of time. As I was writing my profile of Ernest Borgnine for my book, he was writing his biography with the help of a of a writer. His biography was named Ernie. So he was remembering these stories, and he'd call and share them with me. Oh, maybe you could use that for your, your piece. And he'd tell jokes. And every once in a while, he'd call late at night, 9, nine o'clock, and say, hey, do you have uh, Turner Classic Movies? Because uh, one of my movies is on, and you like it. It's the one where, where uh, this guy beat me up or whatever. And it was just a, it was a really thrilling time. Katie was a baby. She's 13 now. Well, she was two or three at the time, probably. But uh, she asked me one time who I was talking to on the phone, and I don't know if your listeners know this, but Ernest Borgnine played a character on SpongeBob SquarePants called Mermaid Man. So I told him, I told her I was talking to Mermaid Man. She didn't believe me, so I handed the phone to her, and Ernest Borgnine did did the voice, and her eyes just <laughs> like two saucers. Oh my gosh! And then she told everybody at the daycare that she talked to Mermaid Man on the telephone. So it <laughs> made her made her day. That was a pretty remarkable experience. Uh, you also interviewed John Glenn, correct? I did. I don't know how long the interview was. It took me, I don't know how long it took me to get a hold of him. I called him in Washington, D.C. I called him at a Senate office, which was at a, an attorney in Washington, D.C. at the time. I tried to reach him through uh, Ohio, uh, the Grand Lodge of Ohio. I tried reaching him through uh, a company that he worked with. I called him, called him, called him, called him, called him. Just about the time I finally decided to give up, I get a phone call. One afternoon I was at work. My phone rang. I picked it up and a voice said, please hold for John Glenn. The next thing I know he's on the phone. And I didn't have any questions for him. <laughs> I was unprepared. And I was talking to John Glenn. And he basically, he'd done a million of these phone interviews. And he basically just told me some really great stories and I used several of them in my book but that was a remarkable experience too one of the unique things that we've talked about over the years is the number of people that we have reached and then of those that because of the blog and those that have reached out to you either to comment on a story ask a question about a story but I think even more importantly ask about how to join the fraternity what's been your impression or thoughts as as you've gotten those contacts over the years I think those are my favorite kinds of emails I get I get a lot of emails from the Illuminati people <laughs> I get a lot of a lot of strange and offbeat emails, but my favorite emails to get, of course, are the ones where uh, somebody says, "Oh, we've been reading the Midnight Freemasons blog, and I'm interested in joining. How would I go about doing that?" We've got uh, that information on the Midnight Freemasons blog now, but in the beginning, what I do is I put them in contact with the secretary of their Grand Lodge. I couldn't guess how many over the years we've we've referred to different Grand Lodges, and we even helped a I even helped a guy uh, locate a military lodge years ago. So I, I think by far, that's one of the most rewarding parts of this is knowing that, you know, because of the work that we've done as a group, we made a difference in somebody's life, many people's lives probably. So I think it's been a remarkable run. I don't see us stopping anytime soon because the energy's there. We still add new contributors. We have some that retire at times, but I think the most powerful piece about the Midnight Freemasons 
plural, is that it's not just one voice. It's all the, the voices of the regulars. Uh, we have a lot of guest contributors on there, and they all tend to bring a different perspective. Early on, a lot of the stuff I would write about was places, historical places I would go and find a historical connection. We have esoteric. We have Bill's 50-member year series that I want him to, to talk about next. But it's that wide variety. I don't think there's any other place on the Internet for Freemasonry that has the, the breadth of topics that we've had. Wouldn't you say that's one of the most enjoyable pieces of running that blog? Absolutely. And the variety is truly remarkable. I think you'll find a little bit of everything on the Midnight Freemasons blog. And, and the other thing I like about the Midnight Freemasons blog is, is the pieces are very short and they're very compact. The writers get to the point, get to the, the heart of the story quickly. And there's a personal perspective that's involved in almost all of our pieces where we're not talking about Freemasonry from the outside looking in. We're talking about topics of Freemasonry and how they've applied to us. And I think that's what's unique about us. Bill, what's your questions? Well, first of all, let me say to begin with is um, April 14th, not only was it the date of the Titanic, but it was also the anniversary of the day that President Lincoln was assassinated. So I guess we had a heck of a day to pick to launch this. It's amazing to be part of this group. I mean, I never fancied myself a writer before I even got into this, but I stumbled into it just kind of like a lot of the other guys have. I was working doing a thing for the membership department of the Scottish Rite Southern Jurisdiction on a website they were trying to do. And I contacted RJ because I'd heard his podcast. And I asked him if he could do some things. And he says, well, have you ever thought about writing? I'm like, well, grocery lists, you know, suicide notes, but never anything. And he says, well, why don't you try writing something? So, no, okay. And so I had an idea. And... He said, well, that's great. Let's run it. And he ran it. And it was short and to the point. It was nice. He said, well, you got anything else? And that's when I came up with the idea for the 50-year member. And it started out as one thing and completely turned into something completely different than what I ever dreamed it would. And it's just kind of taken on a life all its own. And I think that's kind of what the Free Midnight Freemasons, it started out as one thing. And it's just kind of developed. I mean, we've had side projects since we started it. Um, I mean, we haven't discussed it yet, but we, you know, a lot of us was involved in Masonic Radio Theater when we were doing it. Todd had a couple parts on it. RJ and I both had parts. We even brought some of the ladies in on it for some time. And that was well received. We still get people asking us, you know, hey, when are you going to put some more of those out? And it's kind of like, well, when we come up with more ideas for more stories, those were tough. And putting them together was tough too. But one of the questions I have for Todd is, we've gained so much in the last few years, where do you see it going in the future? Do you think we have anything else that we can do to this with the blog? Or is there anything else we can do in the future with the blog? Or do you think we just continue on with what we're doing? Or can we be bigger and better? I think the unique thing about the Midnight Freemasons is it continues to evolve. Every time we bring on a new writer, it seems like they bring on a, uh, a new idea or a, a new dynamic. And, and the Midnight Freemasons, it's funny to talk about RJ encouraging you to write in the beginning when I was trying to get RJ to write and I'll tell this story on him it was like pulling teeth he, he didn't think he was a writer either and once he started writing it was just it was like you opened up the spigot and he did great but the interesting thing about the Midnight Freemasons is all these different projects that it's, it's spawned off so I kind of think Wentz Kane used one of those projects this podcast is one of those projects the Masonic Radio Theater, I think, was related to this project. All these, all these different things have come out of the Midnight Freemasons. So 
I think the writing and the blog, I think it continues on, but I think it'll continue to evolve depending on who our writers are. Because each, as it was said earlier, each one of those writers brings something totally unique perspective to that platform. I'm, I'm excited to see where, where it goes in the future. So Todd, tell me and the listeners a little bit about, uh, you've still got another blog that you put together after you spun off the Midnight Freemasons to the rest of us. Talk about that blog, where you're going to go with it, because I know you're going to change the course of it, and, and just let the listeners know the address of that, et cetera. Well, yeah, the original blog site's uh, still up and running, and I've several times I've tried to reboot that, that blog, but the Midnight Freemasons is you know really perfect, as far as I'm concerned, is the type of writing that I like to do. I do have some ideas about where that Todd Creason blog's going to go. I've uh, started attending seminary classes. My my plan is I'm going to retire in a few years, and I'm going to step out of my career and step into uh, Christian ministry. So the plans for my blog right now are, are along those lines, is to come up with maybe a blog similar to the Midnight Freemasons, but with Christian themes, daily devotionals and articles about uh, values and that happy news, good news. So that's kind of where I'm going with that, but... I have some work to do on that concept yet. Talk a little bit about the idea of character. You and I have had discussions on this and perhaps how the Masonic fraternity can help build character. What are your thoughts on that? It's funny. I was thinking about that today. It was, what, three weeks ago that you and Darren and I went down to the Oddfellows meeting? Greg, you and I went out for dinner before that meeting, and we were sitting there, and we were talking about what will it take for our communities and our young people to start thinking about values again, character and values and hard work and all those all those things that we talk about as Freemasons and, you know, is the fraternity still relative and all those different ideas. You know, it seemed like a almost an impossible challenge as we're sitting there talking about it, but here we are three weeks later, we've got this pandemic sweeping the nation. And instantly, it seems that social media, the whole tenor and uh, tone of social media has changed. You see so much more posts about religion, so fewer posts about politics. You see so many more posts about community and coming together and checking on friends and family. And it's amazing what's happened in just three weeks. I think it shows the pent-up demand for those kinds of activities that we've all talked about this in different settings that how much society seems to have lost its social capital and we've kind of drifted away from each other as a community. But yet here's a national episode with the pandemic going on and, and people are coming together and, and raising funds and calling people and saying, how are you? I've had more calls from people that I haven't spoken with in, in a while texting or calling me just to see how I was doing. And I've returned some of those doing the same thing. So I hope this can sustain itself after the current crisis, but I, I hope it's a, a turning point for our country. I, I'd, I'd ask Darren or, or uh, Bill to weigh in and, and, and what are your thoughts on what you're seeing in social media and society and how do you think that's going to change and does it impact the fraternity? If you think about it, I think this virus and this pandemic was a bit of a wake-up call because so many of us were so into ourselves and what we wanted, and it's all about me. This thing has kind of showed us that there is something bigger than us and that there's a lot more to life than just what we, you know, Instagram selfies and becoming internet famous, that you, that there is a higher calling it and that you need to get back and start thinking about the things that are important in life not whether you're going to have enough likes on your 
Facebook post, I think it's kind of brought people more to the family. I mean, there's a lot of jokes on social media about you know, spending time with their kids and how it's driving them crazy, but I think people are seeing the value of it. And I think the same thing is about masonry. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's kind of brought masonry together, like in a way it hasn't been in a long time. We have young guys, there's... You know, and the old past masters, us grungy old fellas that were complaining about everything. We're all kind of in this boat together. And it's like Todd wrote this morning. It's forcing us to adapt, to look at new technology, to start to look at the things that are important, checking on each other, performing through Masonic charity, not worrying about so much about bringing in new members because let's face it, right now we can't. We have to check on the ones we have. We have to start really taking care of and checking and living by the tenements of our organization. And so I really think, you know, it may not last for the next 50 years, but I think we might have some positive outcomes from this. People might tend to become a little more grounded and see what really means something in life, what what really means more to them in life than just what has meant to them in the past. Todd, you had an idea that we were texting about the other night uh, that you called homecoming. and Talk about that. I knew you had a conversation with one of our Ogden members that spurred that. Talk through that, and that, that's what we wanted to really explore beyond just your personal introduction here. The ideas that uh, we could put around that idea. It's a pretty rough idea at this point. Basically, I got to day four of quarantine, and uh, I just started calling people. <laughs> so I, I called a lot of the older members of our lodge. I got a hold of Doc. He's one of our 82-year-old members, and I called and uh, talked to him for a while, and he was really happy to get the call. We had a great conversation. At the end of that, he's, he said, uh, we're all the way through this virus situation. We ought to just have a big party, get everybody together, have a big party, have our have our wives and our kids, and just just get together and, and, and uh, appreciate one another. And I, I thought that was a, a fantastic idea. And the more I got thinking about it, the, the bigger it got. And I thought, well, that'd be really nice to do not only on a lodge level, but we get a bunch of lodges together. And then I thought, well, we ought to throw the York Rite, the Scottish Rite, the Shriners in there too. So I wound up calling our uh, Grand Master of Illinois, Stephen Oakley, and he called me back a few days later and talked to him about it. He thought that was a great idea too. So he's going to talk to his leadership committee, but we don't really have a, an idea of what that party might look like. But the basic idea would be just to get everybody in the fraternity together again, like a homecoming, but just basically to say to the community and say, say to ourselves, you know, we're back. I think none of us appreciated uh, our fraternity enough when we were in it because we were always too busy until it was gone. And I'm looking at my calendar right now. I basically X'd out an entire month. <laughs> so you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And I think, I think a big party when we get through this, it, it just, it'd be a lot of fun to do. I think it's a great idea bringing people together. Especially, it's, it's almost like you've been cooped up in a big winter storm. I think all of us being Midwesterners can appreciate those snow days you'd have one after the other, not knowing if you're going to go to school the next day or not because of the, the blowing winds and all that. I remember the feeling of even though you didn't like going to school, by that fifth or sixth, seventh day, it's like, boy, I'm glad to see that bus out front. Glad to see my friends again getting to have lunch with them and going to recess and all that. And I think it could be that same kind of feeling uh, with a homecoming and because you do miss your friends. I mean, the fraternity, I think for most of us, 
is our core group of friends that we talk to all the time. And so when you don't interact with them in person, because certainly we can interact over the phone or internet, but it's not the same as being together and sharing fellowship with the families and, and whatnot. Uh, Darren, what do you see or what would the value of homecoming type of activities be from your perspective? Well, I think as Todd mentioned, it's just a celebration of our fraternity and our our brotherhood and, and the fellowship that we can share. I don't think it's any more complex than that. I think all of us, we've seen, as, as Bill mentioned, there's been a lot of, of unity that has come out of this. Just simple things like my last episode where I wished a brother's son who is in England a happy birthday because he's unable to have a birthday party. And his dad put on Reddit asking for brothers to send him cards. Uh, not only did I wish him happy birthday on the podcast, but I also sent him a toy, which I think, according to Amazon, arrived today. So I hope that uh, he enjoys it. It's just kind of those simple things that we do for each other that uh, I think the the homecoming will be a culmination of that. It'll be a celebration of of us. And then also, hopefully, we can take some of the energy that we have, because I think all of us are going to come out of this with with a renewed vigor, if you will, for Freemasonry and for the craft. And I think the homecoming is a celebration of that as well. Bill, looking down the road, where do you see Freemasonry going after the homecoming? First of all, I want to say I think it's a great idea, and it's a little slightly different circumstances, but Indiana and Texas both do something like this every year. They each do it different ways. Indiana has a big party every year. They have, they set up events for kids and they have a big parade down at the Indiana Masonic home and they have vendors and stuff. But Texas, of course, they have a big barbecue cook-off and they have a competition of who does the best barbecue and then they have a card show and then all the lodges, they use it as a fundraiser. They'll go on and sell different things, you know, like Masonic related, like cups or shirts or stuff. And it's a way they make money at their lot for their lodge during that course of the thing. But it's, you know, whatever they want to do. But I really think people have been kind of saying, well, you know, this could kill masonry. But honestly, I truly think this could be, if we handle this correctly, this could be one of the greatest things that we could use to solidify Freemasonry because we're taking it back to its basic tenets. We're taking it back. We're treating each other like brethren. We're taking care of each other. We're making sure each other are all right. We're not concentrating on new membership right now. We're just living by the things that we say that we live by. I mean, if you remember correctly, if people want to then go back and listen to the previous episode where we were talking to the Grand Master of Washington, D.C., all the things they set up with their charity events and they're set up to where they are um, going around making sure all their widows and orphans and their elderly members have things they need to survive on a daily basis. Uh, five years ago, under normal circumstances, no one ever would have thought of doing that. And it's going to bring some kind of esprit de corps, and it's going to give the members, even the ones who don't come to Lodge on a regular basis, or some of those that may not have even wanted to be a member for a long time, a way to say, hey, maybe this is what I'm looking for. And who knows, maybe we can even, after this comes up, we can start giving the guys who aren't been coming, haven't been coming what they want. Like if they want an education, maybe we can figure out a way to do it. I mean, there's lots of ways we could do it. It's just maybe this will bring up enough harmony 
to where we can hammer out something so that everyone will get something out of the lodge. And then if we have everybody in harmony and doing what they want and enjoying themselves, membership will take care of itself. These friends and they'll bring their friends in and then his friends will bring their friends in it's almost it's not like a multi-level marketing scheme by that point but you get my drift we won't have to worry about a membership problem because we won't have a problem that's just the way i see it and that's the way i've always seen it todd where do you see society in general going i don't really know each one of these big events in history we seem to learn a different lesson uh from it. After 9-11, we came together as a nation and uh, became Americans first again. We kind of let our differences fall by the wayside for a, for a period of time. Uh, we had a big coming together after Pearl Harbor too, and we, as a nation, all pulled together for a, towards a common goal. So it's hard to say, I think, how this pandemic is going to shake out in the end, but I see a lot more kindness now in the short term. But what I hope it does is I hope it tones people down. We've become so divided as a nation. And I think right now, for the first time in a very long time, we're starting to understand we're all in the same boat and that we're all Americans and that, you know, we all have the same desires. We all have the same worries. We all have families we're worried about. We have jobs we're worried about. A lot of the, the angry political stuff is toned down quite a bit. I haven't heard anything about the election in two or three weeks. So I think that's a good thing. I think if anything else, I think this has brought us together and reminded us that we're all just Americans. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. So in wrapping this episode up, theme is is beyond just kind of talking about the evolution of the Midnight Freemasons was starting to look ahead and to that day when we can all get back together in person and in lodge and to enjoy and appreciate one another again. As all four of us, I think, have pointed out, society's had some troubles in the last, I would say, decade. Part of that's been caused by probably social media, that it's brought us farther apart while at the same time connecting each other closer. It seems ironic to me, but I remain very hopeful. Chris Hodap, wrote a, a piece on his blog a week or so ago talking about the changes in society and how that impacted really not even just Freemasonry, but churches and the Lions Club and the bowling leagues and everything else and how so much had changed. I think in our fraternity, sometimes we think it's just us, but it's not. But I, I agree with Bill and Darren and Todd that after this is over, we will be much closer together. And that's kind of my parting thought on this is I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I think it's going to be great. I know Todd and Darren and I will probably be working together on this homecoming. I have a feeling and many of our other friends and something to look forward to. So that's kind of my parting thoughts. Darren, what are your parting thoughts? I can't really add much to that, Greg. I, I think that, as you said, this, and as Todd said, this is uh, one of those defining moments in history that, that tests our character as a nation. And all of us honestly have a role to play in, in this, and it's a simple role. We just have to stay away from each other. 
but honestly, that's how we defeat this thing. That's how we, that's how we get, that's how we're going to get through. And then after this, we'll be able to celebrate. We'll be able to do this homecoming. We'll be able to meet again as brothers. I think that, as I said, I think this is going to renew a lot of, a lot of Masonic energy is, is what I foresee coming out of this. I see a lot of, uh, new ideas, new things, new concepts coming out in Freemasonry from this because I think you've got a lot of brothers right now that all that they are doing is sitting and thinking, well, what can we do after this? What can I do for my lodge? And what can we do as brothers after this? So right now we're, we're trying to take care of our community and our widows and our, our fellow brethren. And I think afterwards we're going to continue to take care of our brethren, but I think we're also going to celebrate the fact that we we are brethren. Bill, why don't you wrap it up for us? This is going to be said ton, with a tongue firmly planted in my cheek, but this is probably the first time in American history we can honestly say, divided we stand, united we fall. But I just like everyone else, I'm just going to keep echoing everybody else's sentiments. We've got a really great synergy for masonry going right now. And as long as we can just keep it up and everybody keep this same energy going and remember the, what we've learned during this pandemic and just build on it and continue to grow and use what we've learned to try to help each other. Just continue on trying to do the best we can with what we have. Todd, appreciate you joining us tonight. It's not going to be the last time. It's a lot of fun hearing how you got the Midnight Freemasons started and you've contributed a lot of growth to the three of us. I know Bill and Darren and I terms of writing and all that. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. I'm mostly appreciative of our, of our collective friendships, the ability to text you at all hours of the night with some of our crazy ideas we've worked on together. It's, it's been a lot of fun. So appreciate you joining us and we're going to have you back as a, one of our regular contributors on another episode in the very near future. So with that, we appreciate everybody joining us on another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part.